Welcome to the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is to strengthen and equip church and ministry leaders just like you through practical and theological discussions about some of the most pressing and important issues facing the local church today. We feature conversations with members of our team here at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as well as interviews with authors and thinkers from around the world. You can follow The Essential.Church on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch episodes on our YouTube channel and also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and Spotify, where you'll find a full archive of previous conversations. And now, here is this week's episode of The Essential Church Podcast. Welcome to this episode of The Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and I want to take you to a conversation today that we had recently with Pastor John Egan and one of the newest members of our staff, Pastor Aaron Keyes. Aaron Keyes, whom you'll hear about more in the podcast and hear from, uh, comes from Georgia. He leads this wonderful worship training school called 10,000 Fathers. And so we spend some time talking about the issue of raising up worship leaders in the church, not just as song leaders, but as genuine pastors and elders and shepherds. And what do we need to do? What do we need to change in the church to make that possible? Aaron's been working hard at that for the last 15 years and has some incredible insights. We think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Uh, You might actually consider sitting down with your worship leader or your worship team and watching this or listening to this podcast together. We think it's really going to help you. Without further ado, here's the conversation. All right, I'm here with two of my favorite humans on planet Earth. This is true. We know John Egan, been at New Life Church since 1972, I think, or something like that. <laughs> it's been around for a minute. We know John, and we love John. And a new member of our team is Aaron Keyes, who a lot of our listeners are not as familiar with. But Aaron Keyes came over with his wife, Megan, and their kids from Georgia. Yep few months back. Yep. He was a worship leader there. And he's also um, the founder of um, a worship training program called 10,000 Fathers, yep. which is doing some amazing work. And with you guys moving over here, you've brought 10,000 Fathers under the canopy of New Life Church, which is amazing. And we're so happy to support it. Yep. It's such a huge yep. gift. And we think it's going to be an enormous benefit to the body of Christ as it has been. We just see its influence multiplying. So we want to have a conversation with Aaron, really, to introduce you a little bit, to introduce 10,000 Fathers, but even more than that, to talk about kind of the large issue that 10,000 Fathers is speaking to. So, Aaron, give us a couple minutes of uh, biographical detail on Aaron Keyes, and then tell us the heart behind what what 10,000 Fathers has been about. Okay, yeah. Um, I was never a great musical performer. I can still barely sing, actually, to save my life. It's, It's never been something I could lean on as far as leading worship, I could never just like phone in the spiritual preparation because I knew I could lean on great performance on stage. Mm -hmm. That was never a thing. So all that I could really do from the time I started to now is open up either the scriptures or my heart and say, here's something that the Bible invites us into. Let's let's try that in worship. So when I first started leading worship halfway through college, um, not much of a singer, I had just started playing guitar. didn't have a lot to lean on except, well, here's here's something that the Bible says. Let's mm. try this. Mm-hmm. And their response to that, people were so ready to be led by Scripture instead of just by anecdotes, you know, or, or nice little asides or stories. Um, so instead of telling people, guys, raise your hands in worship, I would just say Psalm 134.2 says, lift your hands in sanctuary. Mm. Bless the Lord. Or Psalm 63, like, praise, I'll praise you as long as in your name I'll lift my hands. And so 
showing people biblically, here's why, here's why we're going to do what we're about to do. Mm. People just came alive. <laughs> and um, I just realized over, the more that I traveled and the more that I led, wow, it's actually rare to be led in worship with Scripture. Mm. Scripture and worship kind of took a fork in the road at the beginning of the worship renaissance. We'll let the pastor handle the Bible part. Yeah, exactly. That's, no, I've <laughs> right. literally had worship, big-time worship leaders say stuff like that. Like, I don't know where it is in the Bible. That's your job, you know, yeah. to the preacher. Mm. And that was obviously never the case in the Bible. It was never a case in church history until very recently when mm-hmm. all the um, apostolic, prophetic roles have gone into planning churches or leading churches. And then the artists kind of got left on their own mm. out there. We kind of hope for the best, mm-hmm. you know. But there's now a whole generation that's come up, and we're now at a unique point in history that's never happened in the church before, where just because you can lead something musically, people assume you get to lead spiritually. Mm. You, you, have a, you have a musical gift to bring, so you must also have spiritual authority. That's never happened in the history of the church. It's right. nowhere in the Bible. And with the ways that church, churches have proliferated and church growth has um, done amazing stuff, we've seen incredible re- reform happening in approach to church in the last few decades. Um, but the, the worship thing has not necessarily followed as careful, you know, a biblical uh, track. Like most preachers, most pastors have had serious training to be able to mm-hmm. take on the rigors and the demands um, of leading ministry. Like mm-hmm. the stuff that you've been trained in, Andrew, is way different than the stuff that most worship leaders have been trained in. Mm-hmm. You, you've had to figure out how do you read the Bible? Mm-hmm. What's your ecclesiology? How should you approach culture? Mm-hmm. What about theology? Mm-hmm. You know, like so many places that pastors um, for almost 2,000 years, there's a pretty well-worn path if you want to be a leader in a faith community. Mm-hmm. There's no path like that for worship mm-hmm. leaders. You get a guitar, get some skinny jeans, get on stage, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe get on YouTube now, but the apprenticeship, the training, the education that has accompanied um, and and actually like been a prerequisite for being leadership in the church for most of the church's history is now um, it, it doesn't exist for worship leaders. Wow. We hire people for their competency, we fire them for their character deficiencies. Wow, and we and then we just repeat the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, and we just so, assume there's a great supply of it out there. So if we we don't mind burning through you, because we'll find somebody else who can do the same thing: hold the guitar and wear the skinny jeans, and and hold a stage, hold a hold a crowd, hold the room. Right. Yeah. And because worship has been so driven by worship music, mm. um, that brings with it. Well, the, then the people that need to lead it should be good musicians. Mm-hmm. But even that wasn't. There's not a, a biblical precedent for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that there's not one verse in the New Testament that talks about worship leading should mm-hmm. give worship leaders pause. It should mm-hmm. give pastors pause. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's not one verse that talks about worship leading. Mm. It's not this indispensable role in the church. Like, there's worship is indispensable yeah. and leadership is indispensable. But what we see as worship leadership is good. novel. Yeah. That's brand new. Mm-hmm. It's 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And along with that, because it's so nascent, like, Everyone who's stepping into those roles is kind of having to figure this out on the on their own, or mm-hmm. just look at the people who've done it before them, mm-hmm. which isn't all bad, but it, it is bad when people are just leading like somebody else mm-hmm. when they aren't, in fact, somebody else, or they're doing it like that other church does it, but their church is very different than that other church. Mm. So we have this huge missed opportunity to pastor the people that are in front of us 
um, when we're only thinking our job is to lead songs for these people in front of us. Good. We're going to stay on the large issue here, but I would like you to just speak to, just that we've got some context for you. Talk about how 10,000 Fathers specifically has been an address to that situation. Yeah. What are y'all doing? Well, we, we started getting blown up. I started getting blown up uh, 15, 20 years ago because I was traveling and leading worship. Like I said, not very great musically or vocally or, or anything like that, but um, a little bit different pastorally and scripturally. And so the pastors that would see this would be like, man, we don't have anyone that does that. And mm. so I'd get a lot of calls from these pastors and emails. Um, like, Mentoring, training, theological development for our worship leaders. Nobody's doing that for us. So yeah. now the pastors are calling you. They're calling they're me saying, saying hey. would you come be our worship pastor? I was like, no. And they said, well, do you know anyone that could come do what you did? Because we've got great singers and we've got great musicians, but we don't have anyone to help us worship. We want to know how to worship better. And it broke my heart. It's like, man, the fields are wide and the harvest, you know, <laughs> in the church mm-hmm. and the laborers are few. So, a quick point? yeah, yeah. Um, I think that most people aren't surprised that worship leaders haven't held each other to some standard of understanding some of these uh, bigger issues of depth and the- theological knowledge and leading people. And um, what, has, what has been a surprise to me over the years is your story just now is the pastor calls you and says, oh, wow, I really liked how you led yeah. with scripture. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a fork in the road between uh, preachers and singers or, or, mm-hmm. or pastors and worship leaders. And I have, uh, I think both sides need to be held accountable for that. A pastor being shocked that you led with scriptures is interesting. So pastors haven't really been trained Mm. to call for worship leaders to assert, uh, not just ability, but depth and, Mm. and understand. So it's, it's, it's a, it is an issue, I think. And it is something to, that 10,000 fathers is addressing, not just to come worship leaders, Mm -hmm. but to pastors as well. Um, So that pastors aren't just rushing to create, uh, to plant congregations or plant campuses and they, oh, we got a pastor and we got uh, a budget. No. Ha- what about the worship side? That they're starting to um, think about yeah. it. They're trying to think yeah. ahead a little bit in terms of the development of worship leaders that you would send into those So it's campuses. not like, oh, worship. Yeah, well, we'll have a worship, we have a worship leader and just sing these songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no song big. Big songs will only carry small leaders so far. Hmm. And I think that it's now that's what's happening. It's being addressed going, hmm. At this point now, and that's when uh, your character is deficient and all that. But I think that worship leaders are, it's like, well, you you hired me <laughs> knowing mm-hmm. that all I knew was mm-hmm. how to play guitar. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're mad at me that all I know how to do is play guitar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I love this discussion because yeah. it's saying, okay, let's let's talk about the bigger the bigger situation because probably save a lot of lives. Yeah, well, and, um, and the reason I got invited to lead worship wasn't because of my depth in God, my spiritual authority. I wish they needed someone that night. I could kind of play piano, you know? And that's the story for a lot of worship leaders that we talk to that come to worship school. We've had nearly 400 worship leaders come through in the last 15 years. So many of them. They got thrown onto the stage. They got thrown into a yeah, spotlight yeah. because we needed someone who we, could lead us in worship, you know? Yeah. And that seemed to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the church yeah. was growing. A lot of them. The church is mm-hmm. the church is growing, and the demand is increasing. So yeah. now the space in your schedule, even to think about how you would deepen yourself, it's that's right. rapidly evaporating, and it's low on the priority list. Again, the yeah. pastor is going to hold the theological line and create a value rich yeah. environment. You just do this thing. We've had this siloing that's that's happened. Yeah, but what we want to so the reason we started worship school was to address the number of churches asking us, "Can you help us? We have." 
These are not yeah. like little podunk churches. Like right. these are great churches doing mission, like mm-hmm. amazing ministry, you know, mm-hmm. saying, will you help us? We don't know. Yeah. We don't have anyone. Yeah. And so um, my wife and I, my pastor, we started praying and we said, we can we can do something. Yeah. And so we bought a house where we could have guys live with us indefinitely. So for the first few years, we had four four at a time. We'd have four young That's men cool. move into our home. We had neo monastic something or other. There it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, um, brave. It, it, was, it was maybe more neo spastic. <laughs> neo spastic. <laughs> yeah, it was almost neo catastrophic. <laughs> but we'd have for the first few years, we just had worship leaders from around the world come live with us for six months, for twelve months, for four months. We tried lots of different things uh, because we'd done internships at that point, but we hadn't done discipleship. We hadn't yeah. cracked that code. Moving from even mentorship mm-hmm. to discipleship. And we, we talk about mentorship is come meet with me, discipleship is come follow me. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we want people to see our whole life. Yeah. So here's us at our dinner table with our kids. Mm-hmm. Let's go on the road. God provided a bus so these guys could come with the band on the road. Um, here's me at my staff meeting. Here's, here's I'm going to the hospital to pray for them at the church. You guys are coming with me, you know? I love that. And then that. it was also really wonderful. You're apprenticing them as pastors. For sure. Yeah. And it was great, though, because I'd get asked to lead worship at 6 a.m. before high school for FCA. I'd be like, I've got four great guys. Yeah. <laughs> do that. And we sent those guys everywhere. And they got great training. Hmm. And what was amazing, you know, we did this for several years. And this is the beginning of what was become 10,000 Fathers. When I bump into those guys, and I'm still really good friends with almost all those guys, and when I bump into them, I just start apologizing profusely. I'm like, <laughs> we didn't know what we, we were doing. Know, yeah. I'm so sorry. And they go, are you crazy? It changed my life. That changed mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. And when we would do exit interviews, we'd say, what was most impactful? You know, Because we'd have some great worship leaders like John speak into the guys, do a special session. Chris Tomlin did, did a thing on songwriting, all these different people. And what literally 100% of the feedback was unanimous. And it was the best takeaway was just from being in your being home. Being together. Yeah. Being in your community, seeing your real life. Because we've wow. seen, I mean, the gener- if you grow up learning about worship from YouTube, you never see the real thing. Right. Yeah. YouTube is perfectly polished and edited, and it's it's not, I mean, this is, it's still happening today. Yeah. I'm, I'm coaching worship leaders all the time, every week, and people are discouraged because their Sunday morning doesn't look like the recording that they saw on YouTube. Yeah, like, then, no, that wasn't that, on Sunday morning. No. Right. And that ain't your church yeah, either. No, yeah. and it took, like, you can't no. do that. You can't conflate the stuff. So worship leaders, are they just find themselves like so out of their depth, so discouraged, so isolated, yeah, and so unsure. Like, mm. where do I even... They're already supposed to know all this stuff that nobody took the time to teach to them. To teach mm-hmm. them, yeah. And so what we've done is we've shifted it from being come, come live with us for a year to come journey with us for 18 months and, and don't move. Yeah. Stay where you are, yeah. live, work yes. at your church, stay married. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, that's when we realized we had to change the model because people were like, I'm married with five kids, <laughs> oh, but I, I've never <laughs> been trained. <laughs> Literally, we've had guys say, my wife and I have talked about it. We think it's worth it for me to come live with you for six months. Yeah. Wow. Like, that that just says wow. how desperate people are to totally. be trained. And praise God for the hunger in those leaders' hearts to be willing to take that training, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but so Tenet's Father's kind of emerged out of this heart to raise up a generation of worship leaders who so will be good. elders in their churches long after their music's That's changed. what I see you doing. I mean, so if we, you know, I'm thinking about this visually. So if the skill set that's been in demand has been just get up on the stage and you lead a great song and that's it, what you're doing is you're deepening and broadening. You're including a spiritual formation aspect. Mm-hmm. There's what does it take to be a pastor, yeah. theological development. Yeah. You know, it's really whole life discipleship. What you're doing is, and I love what you said earlier about 
uh, worship is important in the church. Leadership is important in the church. But okay, so what the heck is a worship leader? Mm-hmm. I think what it sounds like you're doing, and you just said it a second ago about raising these people up to like be elders in the yeah, church, right. is you're recovering the pastoral vocation in general. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. But you're recovering the pastoral vocation in general mm-hmm. for people who also happen to now exercise the pastoral vocation through the platform and holding a guitar in their hand and leading people. Is that a correct way of talking about yeah, what, that's you're, a gen- what you're trying to that's do? That's a general way. We actually get way more specific <laughs> and we look at the uh, Ephesians 4 stuff about we want to see what someone with an apostolic drive mm. looks like as a worship leader. Oh, is that okay. a little different than someone with a pastoral drive as a worship Or if you've got an evangelistic, evangelistic drive. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we want to, and that's later in the process. So the, so basically our 18 months are, are split up into three six-month sections. The first six months is about the, the character of a worship pastor. The second, so this is your integrity, your maturity, your identity. identity. The second six months is your competency. This is your ability, your reliability, mm. you know, your skill. So we get in, we get into the weeds on songwriting and on communication and leadership and vocals. And I, I always honoring that time, and yeah, all mm. of this. So, and then the, the last six months are all about your calling and and how to actually build a missional family to make a culture that makes disciples because yeah, it's way more fun to be in a culture that's raising up leaders then have all of that on you yourself. Yeah. You know, we've done it both ways. And having a community where people come in uh, needing to learn how to hear from God, needing to know who they really are, not what mom and dad just said they were, um, knowing how to really push forward in their excellence on their instruments or on their craft of writing and knowing who God's actually gifted and called them to be in terms of that APES stuff from Ephesians 4. Mm-hmm. Um, we use tools like Enneagram and Myers-Briggs just so that everyone realizes, man, it's what it's for, it's for Peter too. You're living stones being fitted together. Everyone is a little bit different, and cinder blocks make great pyramids, but living stones, it's like one size fits one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. you know. And discipleship, we get to actually walk with people long enough in small mm-hmm. enough groups to see the gifting and the grace and the brokenness and the wiring of mm-hmm. each person and we get to work with them on coming up with a plan for what's in your heart, what's in your pastor's heart at your church um, for the worship culture to look like in three years. And how can you start shepherding people towards that? Because we've been saying for a long time, worship leaders lead songs, worship pastors lead people. Mm. We don't need any more worship leaders. Yeah. It also you know? sounds to me like you're raising up worship leaders to be better partners with exactly. sure. their senior pastors and their senior leadership That's a lot, team, that third that, track. That, that, yeah, that they're owning more. Exactly. of the spiritual formation and spiritual development of the congregation because they're equipped to yeah. now. Can I say it, real quick, the, yeah. your visual, Andrew, I love that. Um, you have this deep need of being on the stage and singing the songs. And that there is the need for that. That's the, that yeah. <laughs> um, I think what 10,000 Fathers does so beautifully and what I love, have loved watching Aaron and Megan over the years, um, and, and this program's last, this 15-year-old program, yeah. it's really just incredible what they've done. Is Andrew, you were talking about the things around that, mm-hmm. you know, pastoring and evangelism, uh, the fivefold and identity, all those things. I think a lot of the training pro- programs that exist uh, just address that center thing mm-hmm. of, get on, of how to get on the stage and sing properly mm-hmm. and, and um, get, you know, worship leaders and bands will know this, like a good Ableton live session and here's where you, the website where you get your guitar riffs and here's, I think 10,000 Fathers hits all those surrounding things yeah. head on yeah. that that center thing of getting on the stage and singing actually ends up just being the overflow of yeah. all the stuff. It's worth also providing the context just for our listeners that 10,000 Fathers is accredited at a, at a master's level. So you go through 18 months mm-hmm. and you can wrap that into a master's program. One of the things that's encouraging to me, a trend I'm seeing around the country is that there's more and more master's level 
programs, theological programs that are geared towards worship leaders. So this is not just what, what you guys are doing. Is one, um, it's one expression of a trend that I think is a national, maybe a global trend, though I can't speak so much to that, but it seems like a national trend, which is awesome. But this isn't just um, a, a few folks in a back room kind of working on stuff, yeah, playing guitar and just kind of talking about worship. Um, this, again, it's master's level theological accreditation, yeah. which is just it's We just probably huge. won't we touch a guitar like for six mm-hmm. months. Six months. Mm-hmm. It was funny. People used to show up for worship school with their guitar and they're like, when are we going to jam? And they're like, you're not going to need that for six months. Yeah. Like, Please don't subject us. Yeah. Hopefully never. Yeah. And don't ever say jam. <laughs> don't ever say it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what I was going to say was we've had pastors of, uh, you know, graduates call us and say, having a worship leader who can help me make disciples yeah. is such a gift. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we, what we want to see is like, we tell worshipers all the time, like, um, you know, your season of being relevant and young and looking good in skinnies is coming to an end. That window closes every year. Mm. It's only a matter of time until, for whatever reason, you start putting chorus on your acoustic guitar and it just gets real cheesy really quickly. <laughs> Overnight, music has shifted, it's, you yeah, haven't, yeah. and you are out of date. Yeah. And if the only vision that you have for your worship ministry is for the moment what, that you're, you're still platform? fresh, mm. it's, it's closing every year, you yeah. know? But... If you would recognize this is a gift of a season, but my ministry will transcend this moment. Actually, I, I can become more than yeah. just a worship leader or a worship pastor. I become a worship father. It's worship so mother. huge because I know, and that's an anxiety that I know that a lot of worship yeah. leaders live with. Yes. At what point do I stop being visually and musically relevant? And then am I out of a job and I've built a career out of this and I got a family that's dependent upon me? Well, if you haven't lived in a full out pastoral vocation, yeah. When that moment comes, you'll be ill-equipped. And that you see a lot of guys, they just exit, gals. Uh, they just exit at that sure point. They do, if that. you even make it to that point. Exactly. If you even make it to that point. What you're doing, I mean, I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking about the verse that really is the verse for 10,000 fathers. Yes. Even though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. But in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Well, the goal of, of spiritual fathering is that you'd help create folks who then become spiritual fathers right. mm-hmm. and mothers. So these are the folks that then they just can have a, it's a longer runway in the church. They've got a lot more, there's Completely. a lot more fruitfulness to come, even when their stage value is not what it was. Their spiritual and practical value to the church should yeah. be going like this yeah, at, that, at that point. But if they're not equipped, to, they're not going to. Right. It's, one is diminishing returns. The yep. other is exponentially increasing. Because even though uh, in 10 years I'll be 52, I don't think anyone's going to want to hear me like rocking out at 52. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Springsteen's spring done pretty well. You know? <laughs> but for the most part, that window is closing. But my authority yeah, my depth leadership. in the Lord, my experience, yeah. my ability to navigate through tricky things. Like no, nobody thought we'd be leading worship for seven months in a pandemic. Here we are. Mm. You know, we need wisdom. Mm-hmm. We uh, the nation's fraught. Anything you say is volatile. We we need a lot of wisdom to lead people right now. You don't need a lot of wisdom if you just want to lead songs. Just mm-hmm. sing songs yeah. and play it safe. You're not going to hurt anyone. You're probably not yeah. going to help much either. Mm. But if you actually want to help people discern what God's saying and what to do about that and walk with them, you need wisdom. This is why there's mm-hmm. seminaries. This is why there's divinity school. Mm-hmm. This is why there's apprenticeship and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. worship leaders haven't had to do that. Mm-hmm. So they haven't done that. Mm-hmm. So now we've got like a generation of worship leaders who are really competent. Mm-hmm. And they also have high character. They just, they haven't been given tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They haven't been given training. And they've been sent into a battle without a sword and a shield or a plan. 
Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder they're getting their heads lopped off. Mm-hmm. I think what Aaron and 10,000 Fathers is doing is, I mean, they're just making the announcement. Um, they're not, I don't think they're challenging um, a, a mindset that the church wants to have. I, right. I the church doesn't mean to chew up right. worship leaders. Yeah. Worship leaders don't mean to just care about their clothes. Right. Sure. Um, these are good people. Yeah. And worship mm-hmm. leaders I've talked to and those that are coming to the to the school, there's like, you know, I, I've longed for this. Mm-hmm. Pastors I've talked to, I'd love to send my worship leader to that, but also I'd love to learn. Mm. I think this is a, it's a beautiful thing. It's easy, worship leaders especially, I find, maybe it's because I am one, I just have received all the stones mm-hmm. being thrown, but it's like, we're easy targets. Mm-hmm. And I, I've talked to so many worship leaders, like, I don't want to be just an easy target. I want to have, have depth and mm-hmm. I want to, I want to pastor my church. I want to be in my community for the long haul. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Do you guys feel like most young worship pastors are really not just wanting to gig, that they really do feel a sense of call to it and they would jump at the opportunity to deepen if, their skills, deepen their, our, deepen their training. I've been in New Life almost 20 years. And in the beginning, the first 10 years of me being here, there was young people we talked talk to around the world who just said, how do I become um, a worship pastor uh, like you? How did you become a worship pastor? In the last 10 years, it's how do I become a worship artist? Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think they're just responding yeah. to what we're giving. What we've modeled for them. Uh, I think we've just, made it, we've pe- created a new thing. We've yeah. created worship artists. And, but now that's created. They're just, oh, that's what it people. is. Oh, YouTube and Instagram, you just go, oh, that's what it is. And worship leaders have gotten on higher stages, lights have gotten brighter. That's what it is. I don't I think we've handed them that. I think the people of Israel needed wanted a king, so they got Saul. And it's like, well, why do you want a king? Everyone else has a king and yeah. they look like this. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has a worship leader, and they look like this. Mm-hmm. Let's go out and get one. Let's go out and grab one. And so worship leaders coming, and they're feeling ill-equipped. They're feeling mm-hmm. isolated and lonely, they're, mm-hmm. but they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just responding, and I love and these if conversations. Given, if given the chance, it might be a genuine calling has actually pulled them into that. And if given yes. a chance, they might jump at the opportunity to deepen their I think deepen their training. bones. Yeah. They want this. They love this. I don't think anyone wants... I think people would rather their churches give them a budget for learning <laughs> than a budget for clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I genuinely think that. I've not met a worship leader who and, wants I mean, the show. It's a, is it's there a, a budget for clothes with worship leaders? Uh, not, 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 like not at our church. considering church. a job change <laughs> <Yeah. impossible>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't act like you don't get paid for <laughs> Not at this church, but I've heard of it, yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, even all the best heart, the best character, the best... Um, vision, the best ambition, the godliest stuff. It's still, you're a coal outside of, you know, the fire without community. Yeah. And I mean, Glenn was sharing um, just last week, right, about not just worship leaders, like senior leaders who are isolated, yeah. who are lonely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. And this has been a much longer epidemic than COVID. Yeah. So leaders are lonely mm-hmm. and they don't, they don't know where to go where they can be safe. Yeah where they can actually be vulnerable and not get fired, mm-hmm. um, where they can be in process and not have it all together. You know, and for, for a lot of these leaders, this is one of the only, the first places they could come and actually be themselves, their real selves. Amazing. And once that guard gets let down, then when they hear from God and they listen to what God says about them, yeah. or they get honest enough with other people to share with what they're really wrestling with, Breakthrough happens left, right, and center mm. really quickly. And what's what's encouraging is a lot of our graduates, they, they keep leading worship at their churches, but 
they also become like they become an, an elder or they become That's awesome. the the de facto discipleship pastor mm. or whatever because they just become the the most fluent disciple maker in the church mm. and and the whole church starts pivoting from you know um, just come volunteer with us to let's recognize the dignity and the gifting that each person brings here and let's raise up some leaders who can go and unleash this congregation on our community. It's inspiring. Huh? It's awesome. It's inspiring. Tell us where people can go for more information on 10,000 Fathers. Yeah, worship.school is the website. Real simple, worship.school. And uh, this class is full this fall, but we start two new classes every year out here at New Life. Mm -hmm. So in May will be the next class. The application's up. Uh, May or October. So two different times where there's track ones. That's where people come in for a week-long intensive. We have a lot of fun in a beautiful setting, great content, yeah. great people, connected here with New Life. Um, and then they go home for, for six months and they do their normal life with weekly yeah. homework, assignments, small group class via Zoom. Everyone knows Zoom by now. And that happens three <laughs> different times over 18 months. And then we, we celebrate 18 months after with a graduation where we look back on the faithfulness of God. It's usually a, a very teary, grateful time of worship to mm. look at the life change. 18 months is not a short time. It's not forever, but it's enough for a lot of life to happen. Uh, babies get born, you know, uh, people get married, people move jobs. And to be able to walk with a small group yeah. that consistently, I mean, you, you see these people in your huddle more than you see some of your best friends. And you're, you're walking down a deliberate path of what's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? Mm. It's, it's pretty beautiful. Aaron Keyes, you are a gift to the church. We're glad that you're on our team. <laughs> well, this church has been a gift to me, and that's why it's such an honor to be here.